Rowan, Don, how are you guys doing today? Uh, we are great. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, you know, we we haven't known each other that long. Uh, only only a week or so that we've had a really chance to connect. And you know, one of the things that I think you guys probably know better than anybody else. And I'm just going to get right to it. I'm kind of in that mood today. Agents in in, in this industry, we love this industry of, of insurance, but it's so often. Uh, hard to understand the help that is available, right? That agents kind of forego some sort of assistance or guidance or knowledge or expertise, um, really almost unnecessarily. I I'm sure you guys have had tons of experience doing this, you know, with, with what you do. And I'm curious as to, you know, if you've found something that kind of breaks down those walls or, or what really works for you guys as far as, you know, helping agents you know, say, listen, like it doesn't need to be that hard. I think for us, it's really the relationship. We, we tell them you can use us. You cannot use us. We're happy to help. We're here when you're ready. And we've actually said that to even our prospects. We're here when you're ready. And sure enough, they end up being ready. So we like the consistency. We're always present. And we really end up forming pretty strong bonds with with our prospects and our clients. So they really get to know us and what we can help them with. I think more and more agencies are outsourcing various uh, workloads. Yeah. And it makes a lot of economic sense. And I think the time has come where more and more agencies are understanding that the CFO is one of those great positions they can outsource. Yeah, and you know, this is where, you know, uh, this was, I didn't even know this existed, honestly, until we connected mm -hmm. yeah. that, you know, this, this is, a, you know, um, having the ability to kind of get expert level financial advice, you know, guidance from, like you said, a CFO level person. Uh, and, and what you guys are doing is, is really crazy from that standpoint of, of it, of, of, and, and you, what you told me was, you know, to, to, to be the size of an agency that would actually require, like to get the true return on that investment of having a full-time CFO is pretty gigantic and yeah, to, to be able say, to scale that down. Yeah, I would say it's probably somewhere around 15 million mark or yeah. 125 employees, probably past that size, larger than that. It yeah. makes good sense to have a full-time CFO. And that may be surprising to some, but there really isn't a lot of strategic CFO work for most agencies that is going to fill somebody's time. Yeah. And and then to piggyback on that, what we're finding as we're getting in there and we're getting into the financials, more and more they need the organizational development, which that's really my area of expertise. So I'm stepping in, we're restructuring departments, we're doing time studies and and mentoring and coaching and leadership development and just strategic planning. And the two are going hand in hand perfectly because we're, we're offering that well-rounded approach that if you're an agency under 15 million, under 125 employees, you need experts. You have us on your executive team. Yeah. And I want to, I want to take a step back real quick. And I mean, how did you how did you find yourself saying this? And I think this is a problem, you know, specifically to the insurance industry. Uh, you know, why is this something that you know has become so something that you're so passionate about? And 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 what has kind of led you here? This was Don's life, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. It was. So it's from personal experience, from a from very really two different outlooks. 
One is the idea of the virtual fractional CFO is becoming quite popular in other verticals. So this isn't a a totally new concept. It's new to the insurance agency world, as far as we know, but it's not to other industries. And second, I was that CFO for an agency under 15 million. And like so many of those so-called CFOs in the smaller uh, agencies, I wore a lot of hats, just like many others. The CFO does IT, HR, facilities, maybe sales, you name it. Human resources. And Don was actually ended up being sales manager in addition to being <laughs> CFO. So his background for many, many years yeah. was on numerous sides of the insurance agency. And my story is not unique. That is the common story for when uh, agencies have a full-time financial person. You know, they're under 15 million. Well, that that so-called CFO isn't doing full-time accounting work. They're doing all sorts of things. And often what that means, it's uh, they're, they're a jack of all trades, master of none, as the saying goes. Yeah. And it's not really oftentimes a good situation. It's not highest and best use. Yeah. I mean, what have you, what is, you know, just in kind of your overall experience kind of across the spectrum, you know, how... How impactful is it when somebody can kind of get serious about, like you said, the highest and I like that the highest and best use mm-hmm. of, of things, and 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 it kind of can feel like, well, I'm sitting here from my ivory tower saying I could I could not be bothered to do such menial tasks, but like there there is something to getting to a place at least in some way to where you, you're more often than not in that highest and best use mm-hmm. place. Would that be? I mean, yes. Yes. And we, another aspect of what we do at RD Advisory Group is the organizational development and employee engagement. And when you have employees who aren't focusing on their highest and best use, as we say, that means they're they're not getting energy. They're doing things they don't like to do. And if they're doing things they don't like to do, chances are they don't like coming to work. I will tell you the net productivity. If you you take a person, put them in their highest and best use, their unique ability, their performance is night and day different than if you put them having doing tasks that are outside their unique or or highest and best use. The the result is just totally opposite. Mm -hmm. Well, well, and so, I mean, again, this is a fine line. I don't know. Is this like an 80-20 rule to where obviously there's going to be some things that you're just not going to enjoy, but is is there something close to that 80-20, like try and stick to like maybe 80% of the things are in that in that sweet oh, spot, and, and and what have you have you any sort of kind of insight on that? I would say absolutely, it's in that range because it's work, yeah, <laughs> and so you you have to go to work, right? And there are going to be things that you aren't your favorite tasks. But if you think of there's five work days, and if you're spending eighty percent of your time. That's going to be four work days doing what you want to do, what you like to do, what you're naturally good at. Yeah. It's going to override that one day that's kind of pushing you. Uh, I'm not too fond of this, but if I get this done, I can go work on these other projects, and which I do like. You know, Don, I'm curious, you know, from what you've what you've seen, um, maybe in that transformation of that refocusing of, you know, highest and best use. Um, What's the output like? I mean, do you have any sort of examples of, you know, hey, you were talking to this agency, they had people just all over the place. They're just, you know, trying that, you know, put your head down and just do the job sort of mentality to where they're saying, hey, listen, let's really try and do a little more custom mapping. Let's, let's, let's actually put some thought into this. 
Um, what did that look like from you know the before and after? Well, there are a number of tools that are used by many insurance agencies, and you may be familiar with them. Uh, if you think about personality profiles, there's Colby, there's Culture Index, there's Culture Index. Uh, so everybody has their own unique uh, persona, yeah. and we're all programmed differently. And what we'll find, if you take the accounting and finance function, well, there's very tactical elements, you know, debits and credits, and there's very strategic elements of accounting and finance. And generally, you're going to find an individual is programmed to be great at one and not so good at the other. And if you try to take a tactical accounting person, somebody who lives for debits and credits, and try to make them a strategic CFO, it doesn't work. And that's what so many agencies really try to do. Uh, they hire a bookkeeper or a low-end accounting person who's really uh, specializes in getting the postings done in the debits and credits, and they think this person can strategically manage their agency from a, from a financial perspective, is going to move them forward strategically. And, and it and, just doesn't happen. Right. In those areas of strategic, what we find we're really working on perfect case example is Don created a budget template for our customers, our clients, so that in November they had, was it an eight step, eight to 10 step guide to take them through creating their budgets for 2019. That's not something a bookkeeper is going to be able to do. And yet now our clients are up running. They've got their budgets set for the year. They were set by the time they hit one, one. And that, that can be a real struggle. So what we do is we separate tactical and strategic. As an agency CFO service, we fulfill the strategic portion. We don't do any of the tactical. That's where the bookkeeper or on-staff accountant uh, at the agency, they're fulfilling that part. We come in and provide the strategic piece, which we believe ultimately is the where the opportunity, where the, where the high value is. If you think about it, all the tactical, when I'm talking about tactical, you got to pay the bills, post the cash receipts, process payroll, all of those accounting transactions, yeah. they have to be done, but they don't drive any value or competitive, uh, you know, give you a competitive advantage. They just have to be done. Where there is opportunity is in the strategic side. You know, and I think that's, I mean, that's a kind of a perfect parallel, I think, for where we are as an industry, right? And kind of coming to, to grips with the, the reality that, you know, we're, we're trying to reach that next level of, of, of just understanding. I'm, I've been kind of pushing this for a little bit. It's just, yeah, you're, you're doing this thing now, but what do you ultimately want to be doing? Could you be doing something that is higher value, that is mm -hmm. maybe more fulfilling, that, again, because of the different systems, tools, resources that, are becoming available that would allow that to happen before it wasn't a reality. It was just something that you had to, to kind of endure. Um, and that's, and, and so here's the thing that I guess I'm, I'm, you know, again, growing up in an insurance family myself is what, what have you found? I'm sure you get a lot of pushback of just, you know, getting, you know, getting into the kitchen, if you will, of the agency and like being in the books. And that's, that's a, that's a pretty sacred place, right? It um, is. Yes. And, you know, and, and, and there's certain philosophies that have been instilled in generations of insurance agents that says, hey, listen, don't let anybody near that, that kitchen, if you will. And, and how do you kind of, how do you, how do you work that relationship? How do you build that trust and, and ultimately 
um, kind of say, listen, listen, you can't do it all yourself. You're, you're, the opportunity cost that you're giving up is huge. And, and, and this is something that you ultimately shouldn't be worried about. Great question. I think it goes right back to our beginning stages. We like to meet people in person. And if we have to, we do video conferences in lieu of being face to face. We yeah. just don't like to be a faceless voice over a phone. So as we're taking them through our own executive briefing and our process of onboarding them, we we actually go out, the two of us, onboard them. Their first real interactions after they sign with us is for us to be on site at their office, meeting their their team, going through their records. We have a whole catalyst that we take them through. And it really forms a trusted alliance. Again, I said it a little earlier, we really consider ourselves part of their executive team. And that's the relationship we want to foster. That's the standard we hold. So what we're finding is a lot of the older generation, we like to call them the legacy owners, is they're starting to enter their retirement and their kids are or family members are looking to take over the agency, we're coming in as that bridge. We're solid Gen Xers. So we know the the baby boomers we can really relate to, but we really love millennials and then the iGens. So we're finding ourselves to really build those trusted relationships by being the bridge between the generations. I think there's one other important aspect, and that is we are an agency CFO service only for independent insurance agencies. We Mm -hmm. don't work with any other industries. So what they find out very quickly is we speak their language. And the insurance agency world has a lot of unique language. Mm Well, and, you know, so that's something I'm constantly encouraging agents to do is is find their industry that they specifically work with. I mean, mm-hmm. have you, I, I guess I don't know the answer to this question. Have you guys always just, I mean, I would have given, I'm, I'm assuming it's yes, based on your background, Don, but you guys have always just been focused on insurance and, and, and what has that, how has that benefited you, obviously, beyond speaking a language? Like, it's made it pretty easy for you to just, you know, really take that business and focus on the people and find the people that you want to do business with and, them, and for them to find you. There's a number of advantages yeah, for, for, for everybody involved. <laughs> yeah. And I like to use the example if you, uh, mo- most insurance agencies, they'll work with a CPA. Yeah. And if you go to your, your local CPA, well, that CPA is, is doing some insurance agencies, maybe a hospital, maybe a, a college or university, a bunch of non-for-profits. And um, they, they know a lot about a lot of things, but they're not experts in any one thing. And that's what we're not going to be. Uh, we're not trying to be all things to everybody. We are experts in the insurance agency world, and that is where we have all of our focus. So for f- almost 15 years, Don would go to the meetings with the CPA, who is actually a trusted friend of ours for the insurance company, and he would find himself educating the CPA on why certain things are done because it's unique to the the industry, the insurance industry. And that's something that's really something we focus on is the universal CPA. They need to file your taxes. They know the laws, the regulations, you have to have them. But to really have that insider knowledge, 
still with an outside perspective, that's where we fit the gap. And this is on the insurance side. We have a couple of other areas. Our book and some of my organizational development work is outside the insurance industry, but that allows me to bring in good perspectives on business practices. So for the typical agency, they need a tactical person, bookkeeper, staff accountant, to do the day-to-day transactional posting. We believe they need a strategic person, whether that be on staff or outsource. And they're also going to likely work with a CPA who's going to file their taxes and prepare formal uh, financial statements if necessary. Those are the three elements of accounting and finance. And most agencies are lacking the strategic piece. And that's really where we fit in. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, one of the things that you had said to me that I was just like, and, and this, I think was kind of where we, you know, the, the start of this entire conversation is, you know, focusing on all the, all the stuff that you're really, you're truly qualified to do. And, um, and being experts in that space is the, the amount of money that is ultimately left on the table or on the floor, whichever you prefer. I mean, leaving it anywhere sure. is not a great idea, but, um, just exactly, you know, what, you know, putting those right pieces in the right place allows them to do. And I'm sure you've got tons of crazy examples of, you know, when you've come into an agency and said, listen, there's so much money that is just like getting lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, I mean, how, how much of an impact has it been, has, has that made on, on, on some of the people that you've kind of seen? Uh, hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands. The typical agency, yeah. you're talking hundreds of thousands. Wow. And it comes in many, many different forms. And what we say, that's why we start with an assessment. And very early on, we identify areas of where we think there's money lying on the floor, where there's missed opportunities. And we do our best to quantify that. Yeah. And so going into the relationship, we've already identified, look, here's where the opportunities are. Do you want to take advantage of them or -hmm. do you want to forego them and miss out? Mm hmm. Yeah. And I mean, what are some of the, if you could, let's just, this, if we sure. could just drill down into it. I mean, what are some of the most common kind of missed opportunities that you see over and over again? I think one we hear all the time, and it's not necessarily your favorite topic, but it's contingency management. Yes. Yes. There's a yeah. lot of dollars uh, in, in contingency. And I always say it is some ways the best dollar for most agencies. Every dollar of uh, contingent in, uh, income falls right to the bottom line. Yeah. Therefore, a dollar of contingent revenue is about as five times as value as the typical commission dollar. And not all agencies um, just embrace it. Yeah. Embrace yeah. it. The other, if you end up working, you know, if anyone ends up working with us, I we kind of have a really fun relationship and we pick on each other. And I'll tease Don all the time. I'm like, here he goes. This is one of his favorite ones he will always focus on. Yeah. And that's uh, customer retention. So many agency owners will will talk to and give you an example, and we'll ask them what their their client retention is, and they'll say, "Well, I think it's about ninety two percent." Yeah, and I say, "Do you know that, or you're guessing?" Well, we think it is because of this and that, and then we'll ask, "Well, is that based on commission, policy count, client count?" And they don't know. Quick. <laughs> and I think you know one of those great opportunities. What so many agency owners don't realize is a couple points of client retention over a span of time adds up to an awful lot of dollars. So what Don does is we have a calculator that can show, we'll put, input their sales numbers, we'll input their 
estimated client retention and show over five years what the money lying on the floor that they're missing is. And we'd like to talk about net organic growth and really take them through those conversations. And we've made really meaningful impacts in those areas. I'll give you one more. And that is benchmarking. One of the first things we do when we engage with a new client is we will take their financial data and benchmark them against high-performing peer agencies. And that really puts everything into perspective. And when you want to talk about opportunities that just jump out, uh, the numbers don't lie. Opportunities will just jump right off the page. What if you could just kind of uh, set some sort of put, set a bar somewhere on uh, on mm-hmm. uh, and at some point, like what is like if you had to set a, a benchmark out there just generally for everybody to kind of just take a snapshot and, and, and use whatever data they have, like what what is your best like kind of spot oh, just to start funny. people at? Well, it's a it is a combination of growth and profit, and there's there's again I don't want to quote any one metric, but I would say that. Uh, Somewhere around 10% organic growth and a 20% EBITDA, you know, th- those two factors together, that is a very high performing agency. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, and I think that's, I think it's good because, you know, like you had said, and the other thing that's kind of curious is to, if you had like sort of a recommendation for them to look at that retention, you know, what is it? Do, what should they, should they do the, should they do the policy count? Should they do the commission? Like what, what do you find? Is it a combination? Like what do you find is the best way to really pin down that retention? And, and he, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Don actually has a best practice document on customer retention, which takes people through this. Okay. And the areas, how to calculate it and how to track it. Uh, some, you know, when I first came into the industry, I was taught a very valuable lesson and one that I continue to preach. And that is we don't spend premium, we spend commission. Yeah. And therefore, we base everything off of commission first. So the most valuable measure is yeah. always commission. Po- yeah, policy count or client counts important, but nothing is more important than commission dollars. Yeah, I, I, even still to this day, I will. I find myself. I'll be talking to some, another agent or something. I'll be like, I think it was premium dollars that they said, or no, it was commission. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like, why do we even? What, like, what does premium? I mean, because you you never know what the commission rate is. I mean, you can guess, yeah. but I mean, why why do we even? I don't know that there's many other industries that measure themselves in that way. No, and especially when you have agencies that are their personal lines or commercial lines, yeah. employee benefits. You, you can't mix premium. Premium yeah. doesn't translate from yeah. one vertical to another, but commission dollars, universal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The employee benefits, the, the premium on the employee benefits would make, uh, you know, <laughs> ridiculous. Anyways. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think it's such a, such a big, big problem, right? Because, um, you know, it is, I think it's, I, I, I do think it is one of the, the more grossly, Undereducated might be a strong word, but it, it's just an area that, you know, we've always just left up to the, the the person that we've trusted the most, somebody in the family. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's always, we mm-hmm. want to keep it as close to the vest. And, 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 and I, I, I don't know if it's, I, I, again, I'm curious as to, you know, the impact that you guys are having and, and the, if we can kind of push forward through that um, to where, like we said, not, uh, avoiding leaving that money on the table and ultimately, um, you know, having everybody kind of push the agency, their agencies in the right direction. Years and years ago, in in that older generation, things were done on a handshake. You know, you didn't need to track and 
the banks didn't have the regulations that they have now and and all of those systems weren't in place you know we weren't digital we weren't virtual so life was very different and we're really finding our biggest impact is in helping these smaller agencies or mid-size agencies under the 15 million to bridge that generation to get the systems and infrastructure we come in we the process goes that once you sign with us we get to know we we get all the foundations done every month we come in and pull the data we need and then it's put into a custom model that don created for reporting so they're going to get a cash flow analysis sometimes they've never even seen one they're going to see their contingency management report their client retention it's a series how many reports do we have in that 15 ish yes around 15 reports a profit and loss so right off the bat every month they're getting a report set that they never had they it's just in some cases it's entirely new to them and then they have two calls with us a month one is what we call tactical where we review the numbers we interpret what we're seeing in the data and what their their reports are showing and then that second call that's the important one that's the strategic call we'll talk about budgeting we'll talk about different projects initiatives whether we have to go through and they have to change all their gl accounts and get well, them in alignment ultimately we want to help them move the needle to be more profitable mm -hmm. either you know grow faster be more profitable but you can't live in a status quo you know this is we're, we're to help them to higher performance and I want you to think about one other thing, and that is uh, the typical agency owner. How did they become the typical agency owner? Most of them have come in through the ranks of sales. Mm -hmm. So what you have ultimately is the majority of agency owners don't have a financial background. Most likely they have a sales background, sometimes an operational background, but it is rarely a financial background. That's why this is so important because that's one of their generally oftentimes one of their weaker skill sets. Yeah, and, and so, you know, it's funny that you say that because um, I think most, when you talk about strategy from a, a CFO financial perspective, most agencies are like, well, let's sell some more policies, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's like, hey, man, I got a great strategy. We're just going to sell more policies. I mean, and granted, that's what it's all about. But yes. uh, really, um, you know, there's, there's certain insights that, you know, you're able to see as far as trends and things to where you know, that breaks down a little bit more into actionable steps. And, and, that strategy, like you said, is kind of the the tough part. What what are some of the the kind of the 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 core strategies that you find again outside of that general? We're going to sell more that helps them grasp and, and really put together a solid, you know, financial, you know, strategic projection into you know you know whether it's six months, twelve months, you know, dare I say, two or three years down the road? Like, what does that look like? One example we're running across quite a bit is compensation. Yes. So people say, okay, your profit's not where it should be. We got to cut expenses. We've got to cut expenses. And Don is, this is one of your topics that you'll say, there's, there's only so much you can cut expenses. It's going to, it's going to be impactful. You, you can. Right. We see agency after agency when they're building their budget, they sweat every small expense, mm -hmm. but they don't sweat payroll. Mm -hmm. They're going to give a 3% across the board increase and okay, they're done. And uh, <laughs> that's exactly the wrong way to approach it for the most situations. There's so much more money in payroll. And what we often see 
is compensation is one of the biggest problems and biggest opportunities in mm -hmm. many agencies. Mm -hmm. Whether people are in the wrong jobs, that's not the position, so they're not living up to their full potential, but they've got the high salary or, or legacy employees who've been there forever, who really, they're on their way out, they've checked out, yet they're pulling in the high salaries. By really looking at that, that's going to be impactful year after year. You can try to downsize your office, cut your rent, but the long-term impacts aren't going to be as much as in, as you would get if you restructure salaries. And bonus programs is a whole nother layer on top of that. <laughs> bonus programs, <laughs> most bonus programs are destined to fail. We see it all the time. Uh, yeah. And it makes a big difference whether you're talking about sales bonus programs or uh, for operational team members. And the other aspect is also producer compensation. That's a whole nother animal, especially when we're hiring new producers. How do we best structure that for success? Compensation is a really a huge topic. It's somewhat complex and it's one of the most important because it's, it's, the, it's the agency's by far biggest yeah. expense. And if the agency doesn't get it right, well, there's a lot of money lying on the floor. Mm -hmm. I want to I want to wrap it up with this, and and again, like we said, making these small strides and and really having an impact on these agencies. If if you could, and and all the different all the different agencies that you've been in, like what's the what's like one of the the easiest like first things that you could have somebody do, and like yo, if you if you wanted to start here to kind of building that foundation for a more, you know, you know, sound, you know, financial strategy and structure. Is there something that it's like, this is the very first thing or, or you got to get started here. Like, what's that one thing that you would tell them to do like tomorrow? Well, I'll tell you one of the first things we do. And I've always said that we benchmark and what benchmarking first entails. Why don't agencies compare results or benchmark themselves? Oftentimes, if you looked at their P&L, their profit and loss statement, they've got so many general ledger accounts in no specific order. It, their profit and loss statement is so hard to read, it's hard to make sense of. Well, the industry does have standards and getting their profit and loss statement to, to in the same format is the industry standard, such as a Reagan's best practice. So therefore, the re, their results become very easily comparable. Mm -hmm. I would say that would be one of the best things. I, I worry when I see, uh, and sometimes uh, profit and loss statements are so complex, they're, they're just uh, almost impossible to understand. And you have 15 years experience. So if we can't <laughs> understand it, how is anybody else going to understand how the agency is truly performing? And from my side, one of the first things I have gotten involved with pretty much with every client is their organizational chart who's in what seats and what are those abilities so we really those are pretty much the areas we start off in and they'll tell us oh we don't need the organizational side within a month we're we're hands-on getting involved you know operational excellence breeds financial excellence mm -hmm, absolutely you can't have one without the other yeah, if, uh, if if somebody wanted to get in touch with you guys, what's the best place to to go ahead and reach out and uh, have a conversation? You know, get get uh, get kind of started. With we that. actually like direct contact, so either usually we send them to Don first because they, 
the first and foremost thing they want to talk about are finances. So I would say they reach out to him via his email. It's just simply Don P, D-O-N-P, at rdadvisorygroup.com. And that is really the first and foremost way to start. Website? Oh, website, rdadvisorygroup.com. There's agencycfo.com. And Changing Your Equation, which is our personal leadership book.com. And any of those ways you'll find us. Uh, and, and I kind of want to wrap it up with this. And, and what is what, what do you see looking looking ahead to where, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of talking about where we've been behind, but like what's ahead? Like where should we, where should agents be preparing themselves to, to kind of wrap their head around moving forward as to what should be expected from a, from a financial sophistication uh, aspect of their agency and, and what, what needs to be involved with that? Because I think it's important for them to have just let it start to marinate. Yeah, I, I think the word sophistication is spot on. Life is becoming more sophisticated. It used to be all agency cared about was at the end of the year, did they make a profit? How much profit did they make? Now you really have to have your pulse on a number of key performance metrics. Uh, and the all of them have to be managed. And I will say there's an, a, another group where we see a huge opportunity, and that is having forward visibility. And that goes along with managing the prospect pipeline. Oftentimes, one of the largest opportunities for an agency is in better prospect pipeline management. And that is uh, something that will offer the agency forward visibility. And I think that's really going to be a hot topic as we go into the next five years. There is just so much opportunity in that space. And the only thing I want to add is we hear all the time, I want to grow 10% or 15% or I want to be $10 million or $12 million, but they don't have the plan to back it up. It's a financial plan. How are you going to get there? It's not, as we said earlier, it's not just selling more. And I'll throw out one last one from the operational side is where we started. We talked about highest and best use. Mm -hmm. Agencies cannot afford any longer to have team members operating outside of their highest and best use. The savvy agencies have already figured this out, and those who don't adjust are going to be left behind. 